Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. We're continuing our series over redemption this week with a very special guest. Uh, her name is Megan Ball. Currently, uh, we'll get to maybe some change to that in a, in a minute here, but <laughs> Megan attends Mission City Church and is an engineer in her I guess, secular life or non-church <laughs> life. But uh, Megan is engaged, a very exciting season of life for you, I'm sure. So thanks so much for making the time to come on the podcast and share a little bit of your story. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Love the Mission City Church podcast and am pumped to be on it. So very thankful to be here, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So that's actually one funny thing I wanted to bring up was that you might be the most faithful listener of the podcast. So oh, yeah. awesome to have you on. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. Love the podcast. Listen to it every Thursday. Big fan of the Thursday edition. So definitely like to. My job, as Jake said, I'm an engineer. So I listen to lots of podcasts every single day. So it's definitely <laughs> in the rotation for the week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your support. That's great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, hey, so one thing that I mentioned to Kent uh, last week is he did his episode, and uh, as we'll kind of get going here, I'm just curious from a general perspective, what your viewpoint is on redemption, whether it be God's redemption in general or in your own life, just kind of how that works for you. Yeah, so when I think of redemption, I think the first thing for me that comes to mind is definitely um, just what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he died for us and took my place and he that if I believe in him and put my faith in him, I can be with Jesus and with God forever in heaven. And so just like the what Jesus did for us is immediately what comes to my mind when I think of redemption. But I also think about how in my everyday life, as I am a follower of Jesus, I've taken that on as my identity. And as I try to live that out in my everyday life, how God is continually redeeming me and he's working on my life and on my heart to make me more like Jesus as I continually submit to him and follow him. And so I think that I think of Jesus's act on the cross for me, but also how God is continually changing me and changing my heart to be more like him and redeeming that part of my life every single day. Awesome. I love that answer because it kind of makes a great segue into getting into your story as well. And the couple people that we've interviewed so far, uh, there was some like differences in just kind of some of their external sins maybe and just how we kind of, the, the way that we try to craft those episodes was to show that God wants to get to our hearts and get to the internal redemption, a lot of what you were just talking about. Um, but there's also like, a large majority of people. So, so it's one thing it's really encouraging or really interesting to hear a story of, you know, like Kent last week, I think about like, you know, living on your own at 15 years old and struggling with alcohol and party and like just being in that scene or whatever. And it's amazing to hear God kind of turn that story from those external things that are going on. But there's also like a large portion of people and uh, church attendees, Jesus followers who like are like, that's a really cool story. And maybe I'm encouraged by that, but it's not really my story. And maybe I don't really feel like I have much of a story or whatever. But yet, like God truly wants to redeem all of us. And there's pieces of all of us that he wants to get to the center of. And so uh, your story and not to discredit it at all, I think it has just as much power and influence as those stories. But yours is a little different in that, like you came to Christ at a very early age, have been following Jesus uh, for most of your life. And yet, like, 
like you just acknowledged, there's plenty of things that you still see God redeeming in you today. So mm-hmm. that's, I think that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that I've really seen that in my life as I've been a part of different ministries or different small groups or whatnot. It's easy for people to believe a lie that, oh, I don't have this grand story that I could tell at a big conference, you know, or different situations like that, but how God can still use you. And he knows your story. God's not surprised by where you're at or your life situation or anything like that, but allowing God to still use you and use your story to spread the gospel and to be a light in this world is so important. So I'm very passionate about (laughs) encouraging young women specifically, but anybody just uh, allow God to use you and use where he has you in order to be a light for him, wherever that, whatever that looks like, whatever situation. I love that. Okay. Well, let's jump in. So we've foreshadowed enough. We've given (laughs) enough spoilers. Um, Let's get to young Megan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's take us back to uh, elementary age time period. So any memories that you want to share prior to coming to the Lord and then what that like experience was like when you first kind of had this revelation of like, Jesus did die for me and I do look for this salvation. For sure. Yes. I always joke, I have the worst memory of all time and people in my life always laugh with me about that. But I always take make people take so many pictures because I always say I have a bad memory. So I, I, a lot of what I remember is from videos and pictures and whatnot when I was little and just hearing stories from my parents. But definitely grew up in the church. My parents um, were always involved. I went to uh, preschool at a church, you know, and was very involved from a very, very young age. And I have one very vivid memory when I was at a church camp when I was in elementary school. I think it was like second grade and we were there over the summer and I remember accepting Christ in my heart. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and so went through the VBS process. If anybody else grew up in a Southern Baptist church probably are very familiar with and there was always one of the songs that we'd sing would be the ABCs and it was the ABCs of accepting Christ into your life and I really remember that finally clicking in my life. I think that I'd heard it so much at a young age, you know, there's a point where I was finally able to digest that and internalize it and understand what it actually meant in my own life. And I remember praying the prayer and this walking through it. And it's funny that that's one of my first like real tangible memories in my life, Mm -hmm. because before that, I mean, like I've seen pictures and stuff and videos and whatnot, but it's, I think it's cool that that's one of my very first like real memories that I sitting there doing the prayer, really accepting Jesus in my life and having that be a part of my story. And so pretty much I've been walking with him ever since then. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, and, and just for me as a non, I, I guess I maybe fall into the camp of a VBS kid, uh-huh. but like it never really took for me. <laughs> yes. so, like I have somewhat the memory of uh-huh. as well, but so ABCs yeah. admit, believe, confess. Is yes. that the ABC? Okay. Yep. Perfect. Uh-huh. So yep. uh, we're going to uh, admit that we've done wrong, yes. believe that Jesus died for us and confess your faith in him there you as go. a Perfect. follower. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that up for us. Walking it through. I could probably sing a song, but everyone's ears would bleed. So we don't want to die. Well, okay. So that's great. So then, uh, so following Jesus, that, and that was, I believe that you've, that's like seven ish years old mm-hmm. is kind of when that memory comes back. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So then let's move forward to maybe what's the first time in your life that you remember experiencing challenge or difficulty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that the first time that I really remember that would probably be in high school. So I think one of the first things that I really remember hard things that I had to walk through was probably um, in church. There's been my, I grew up in a church plant my whole life. And so when I was in early elementary school, 
our my parents decided to be a part of a church plan and so started going there from a very young age got involved in the kids ministry met some of my very best friends that are still my best friends to this day had a very close-knit group of kids and youth group as I started getting the youth group age and whatnot and really got involved there and would do the Sunday morning Sunday evening Wednesday evening routine of the week with youth group or different Sunday school events and things like that and became really close with the family of people that were there and that was a very influential in my life. You know, that was like my strong knit community. Like I feel like in high school and even in middle school, I had kind of a rotating group of friends. You know, I just had tons of friends, got along with a lot of people, was really far spread out in that region. But my friends at church were like my core family that I would always come back to for friendships. But our church actually decided to disband when I was a sophomore in high school. So um, the pastor got a job working for a mission organization. So they were going to move on. The worship pastor was moving back home to Florida to be closer to family. So they kind of just decided instead of hiring new pastors, we're just going to everybody go their separate ways. And so for me, that was a real shock to the system pretty much in high school, Mm -hmm. going from seeing these people that were so involved in my life and in my spiritual life and my spiritual development at that age and not being able to see them anymore, kind of struggling with confusion of, okay, why is this happening? You know, not, I'm not getting to see some of my very best friends every single week. I'm not getting to go to church like I normally used to. It was just definitely something that was kind of hard to grapple with of why is this happening? What's going on here? And starting to process through that. Yeah, great. And so, uh, that's kind of what's going on in church. How about growing up? Uh, like what's your family? Give us a little bit of your family and dynamic there. Yeah. So I have my, both my parents, which are great, grew up in Overland Park, Kansas, and I have one older sister. She's two years older than me. Um, we are very similar and we look a lot alike. And so people got us confused pretty much my whole life. The only main difference between us, like visually that people would say is that she's five inches taller than me. So that's quite a, <laughs> quite a big gap there. I don't know exactly what happened with me once it came down a couple years later, but, um, we were a very busy family. So we were involved in sports from a very young age. I remember when I was in elementary school, I pretty much did everything you can think of between basketball, soccer, volleyball, cheer, pretty much every sport you can think of. I was involved in at one point or another throughout elementary school and middle school. And my sister was the exact same. And, um, yeah, so growing up with our family, we were just very busy and involved in things. And my sister, she is very talented at sports. Since she's five inches taller than me, so she beat me basketball every single time we'd play, and I'd pretty much go inside <laughs> mad every single time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did not win very many games between the two of us. Um, and so she's very good at sports. She's very good academically, very, very intelligent. And so I think that growing up too – I always felt like I was trying to set myself apart from that because she's so smart and so good at sports and, you know, like I've been saying. And so for me, it was just like, okay, how can I be different? How can I set myself apart? How can I be better at this or that? And just trying to navigate that, I think, was definitely challenging. Even in school, sometimes for um, teachers, not to their fault at all, we look a lot alike. I got called Emily pretty much all of my life in in high school and to the point where I just would respond to it. Like if somebody said Emily around me, I just assumed that they were talking to me because I just was compared to her so much my whole life which has its pros and cons, I would say. it's I'm so thankful for her, and she's been such a good role model in my life and sure. everything, um, but also just trying to grapple with how can I set myself apart and what does my, my true identity as an individual person look like? And I think that that kind of got a little blurry in high school just for the comparison that happened so much by others and also just by myself internally. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a that's probably a good like 
point to just kind of sit in for a minute of so at the, around the same age there's just some identity things beginning to get a little bit rocky um and not like in a really like not like everything's falling apart but just you know like church is changing that dynamic is shifting uh you're being compared or like called your sister's name yeah. a lot <laughs> and like so who am i you know For who sure. is megan at this time mm-hmm. in my life um i maybe don't have the same relationships um which i think it's really awesome by the way that you have those same friends now today that's that's a blessing for sure um but also things are shifting and changing and you're gonna start going to a different church and make different friends there and um, again there's this comparison and things going on and, and I think beyond just your sister from the little bit that I know of your family it's just kind of in general like a pretty high achieving family and, and I would say by the way you're, you're quite talented yourself so <laughs> I don't want to sell you short there as well uh, thank um, you. <laughs> but but yeah so uh, speaking of that a little bit like uh, just as far as from like your parents and everything like I think just I don't and I don't want to I don't want to say this is like a, an assumptive thing but there's probably a little bit of pressure that you're putting on yourself at this time as well to to kind of uh, maybe live up to the Emily expectation or whatever that everyone around you kind of puts on you or maybe you sense that yes for sure I think that I'm really grateful for my parents they they were really good about always encouraging us to just try our hardest and everything like for all the sports I was involved in it was basically like finish a season and then if you don't like it you don't have to do it moving on but we're gonna finish the season no matter what or in school like it was never you have to get all A's but you need to try your hardest you know whatever that looks like you know trying to communicate that work ethic which I'm grateful for but also I think that I internalized a lot of pressure of wanting to be just as good or if not better in my mind than my sister and so that was something that I think definitely I put a lot of pressure on myself and I'm very into the Enneagram. I'm a three, which is the achiever. And it's interesting. I've read a book about it and it was talking about the family history. And for the three, when I was reading about it, I definitely identified with that and talking about how your family history, you know, like you were communicated, you are what you do. And thankfully my parents never communicated that to me, but I think I internalized that a lot. Like I want to be set apart. I want to be different because I'm compared so much, whether it's just by myself or by teachers or coaches, you know, or whatnot, just so desperately wanting to be different and feel like people knew me for me and wanting to have that confidence and then find that, have that energy or whatever that is. And it's interesting too, because my family is all very introverted and I'm very extroverted. And so whenever people would meet after they had my sister in classes or whatnot, and they had me, they'd be like, whoa, they look a lot alike, but they're very different. And I always really <laughs> like that. I think, I think I kind of took on the identity and I made that my personality a little bit even more just to be set apart. Yeah. And that's another way that your kind of achievement maybe, you know, uh, came out of you. Like, well, if I, you know, whatever, I'm, I'll be different in this way or I'll achieve in this way, maybe that I don't have to be compared or we're not in the same we're not the same person for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Um, and and again, so I just want to kind of a thought that I had while you were talking about your parents and everything. Like, I think, um, parents, like you can have great parents, you can have not so great parents, you can have whatever range, like we all come out with wounds or scars or whatever, like regardless of how great our parents were and everything. So, uh, I know that you're not trying to say anything that's like negative towards your parents at the same time you're right that you like about the internalization, like, you know, from their perspective, it could be just, you know, we want to encourage you to do your best and there's nothing wrong with that. 
but then from the flip side of it, it's like your entire experience is kind of shaped around like, well, then I have to do, and maybe that's not anybody's intention, but that's just how as an individual, we internalize things sometimes. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think just based off of just kind of genetically, like how I'm wired, that's a little bit like just how it's something that's ingrained in me. And also I totally agree. Something that I probably just really put my mind to just based off of my experience growing up in the house that I did and this city that we lived in and whatnot. Yeah. So how do you think that that plays a part in, and maybe at that time in your life or even now, how does that play a part in the way that you relate to God? Because so much of how we are maybe in that realm and the achievement and everything, like it's still who we are when we are relating to God. So do you see yourself as like, um, achieving or wanting to achieve just in the way that you maybe spend time with God or serve or any of that? For sure. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I've evaluated this a few times of, I think it could present itself in a few different ways. Like I don't necessarily consider myself someone who's super legalistic where it's like, I have to have my quiet time for the same amount of time every single morning and do that, like check off all the lists. That's not really how it presents itself in my life, which I think it easily could for someone with kind of my personality of just wanting to perform in that way. I think for me, it comes out of a place where the sin that I struggle with the most is definitely pride and thinking I can do things on my own. And so I think my flesh gut reaction in a lot of ways when different things come up in my life is, oh, I got this. Like, don't even need to pray about it. Don't even do this. Like, I got this. That's like my immediate reaction. And so God definitely has going back to the redeeming series. You know, like God redeems that in my life continually. Like, I think even in this situation where we're recording this podcast, it's so easy for me to want to do a good job for you because you're my (laughs) friend and I want to perform well on this podcast, you know, and I want to sound smart because I want to sound good and like I can do a good job at this and blah, blah, blah. It's so easy for that to be my gut reaction for anything that I do. And I continually have to first identify that. I think for a lot of my life, it's been hard to even identify that that's my gut reaction of like, oh, I'm trying to do this well. blah, blah, blah. And I'm not necessarily including God in this to learning to one, identify when I'm trying to achieve things on my own, whether it's like even in serving in church, you know, or things like that, that you would just automatically see as being something that would be like good and fruitful and whatnot, but trying to check my heart attitude behind it. And it's like, okay, am I doing this to kind of carve away for my identity or for people to praise me for doing something well or whatnot, you know, rather than truly just surrendering my life to God, allowing him to take, have all the glory and all the honor for my life and serving him and glorifying him in that way is something that I continually have to work on. And I think I will my whole life. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, like we talked yeah. about, so in Kent's episode, it's a, it's, it is a lifelong journey. Redemption is mm-hmm. a lifelong process. There's layers to it. So for sure. yeah, you're just right in the same camp with the rest of us. Absolutely. So nothing, nothing wrong with that. All right. Let's go back to the idea of, uh, so, you know, Megan can push forward and achieve. And like, if when everything is stacked against you, you have it within you to make it happen. Um, because that gets, that gets rocked a little bit as we move forward. So going to college and uh, tell a little bit of the story of what's going on with, with your family at this time, specifically with your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I was, it was the end of my freshman year of college, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. She has multiple myeloma, um, which is a blood cancer and it's treatable, but it's not curable. 
And so when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, it just totally was out of the blue. Nobody had any expectation of anything like that happening with her. She, we don't have cancer in our family. You know, it's just wasn't having any other health problems, nothing like that. And so when she was diagnosed, that definitely was a shock for our entire family. It was a really hard thing for me personally to process through and just really having to grapple with why is this happening now, you know, of all times, why is this happening to her, you know, and just really trying to think through, you know, like, how is this going to affect our lives as a family? How is this going to affect my mom? How long does she have to live if it's not curable? And lots of hard questions having to grapple with and feeling really isolated in that because I was at college and wasn't able to be home with my my mom or my dad during that time or away from my sister because she went to a different college and um, feeling kind of isolated in that was definitely challenging. Yeah. And I mean, cancer is such a difficult thing just in general. Um, but then that's, that's clearly something that it doesn't matter how hard you work for it. It doesn't matter how hard, like, like, uh, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of faith in you. I'm not sure that I'd put money on you discovering the cure, uh, for cancer, <laughs> no. like it, tomorrow, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's possible, but yeah, no chance. Know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, so I guess along those lines, like, I don't know how how have you come to a place in that sense where it's God I trust whatever it is that you have for my mom here because as much as I want to believe that I can fix any problem that comes my way this one I can't. Mhm. Yeah, I think that going back to trying to maintain an eternal perspective was really key in that in just trying to remember that at the end of the day, our goals and try to try to live on earth as long as possible and be thriving the whole time and achieving the whole time and maintaining that life that we're currently living here on earth. And so I think that for me, which didn't happen quickly, like lots of, <laughs> and for me, I don't know. I think that I'm somebody that isn't necessarily the most emotional person that you've ever met in your life. I think most people that know me well would hundred percent say that about me. And so just really struggling with being so sad and so hurt, you know, and just crying a lot about it and just really, and being mad I'm crying about it all the time. Cause I don't like doing that, you know, and just kind of yeah. trying to figure walk through that season and kind of allow myself to walk through the hard parts of that. And then, um, just trying to really open my hands and surrender it to God and really just trust him and trust as well. And I think for me, it was really helpful being able to look back on his faithfulness through other things that I'd walk through. So like going back to when my church closed down, like that was a really hard season and it was confusing. And I, it doesn't necessarily, for me personally, it obviously wasn't the exact same extreme of my mom being diagnosed with cancer, but still looking back on that, that was a hard season. But also I was able to see God's faithfulness, faithfulness in that because I was able to get plugged into a new church and made lots of really good friends, met my fiance now there and was able to get, um, be able to see how God was faithful in that and how, um, yeah, lots of good things came out of going to that new church. And so being able to point back to my life of seeing God was faithful, faithful, then he will be faithful now, you know, and just remembering that even though with cancer, there's not like an answer to it. Like, and I think that was something else it just took for me, it just took faith and the leap of like, okay, God, you want what's good for me. You want what's good for my mom. So choosing to trust in that and choosing to um, believe in the faithfulness of God in my life and in my mom's story um, was really key for us in that. 
Yeah. One of the things I'm thankful for just like for you, uh, knowing a little bit of your story as we've talked is just that I think it would be, it would have been so easy at, in that time of life to be like, look, God, I've, I've been following you since I was a kid. My mom's been a believer for, you know, this whole time, like, um, that she raised me. What, like, I'm so thankful for my mom and her relationship with you and my relationship with you. And like, what the heck (laughs) (laughs) didn't we deserve? Like we don't deserve her to have cancer. Like what, what, what is that all about? And, and to have kind of like a, um, I don't know, just like an expectation of God that something that big isn't going to go wrong. Um, and so I just think that it's cool knowing that that's not really how it was for you. I mean, obviously there were some other struggles and challenges that it presented for you, but, um, you know, when you talk about like the pride and all of that, like, I see that as like, that was like God protecting you from, you know, uh, even a, a rift in that relationship to say, God, I deserved something better. Uh, I'm, I'm too good for my mom to have cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I definitely had some prayers like that at some points being like, what the heck God, like, why is, it, <laughs> sure, why sure, is this sure. happening? Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think that that's a huge gift. And honestly, just from digging into scripture to you, like, God does promise us that we will walk through a hard time, you know, just like reading through different stories, you know, and things that happen, like we will walk through hard times, like even, and just looking back to Jesus, like God's son, like died brutally on the cross for us, you know, like if he went through that, you know, like, and I'm trying to model my life after him, like I can walk through hard times too and still point to that, that God is faithful to, you know, in that moment, God was still faithful in that way. And they were able to, use that as an example in my mind of like, okay, I'm trying to model my life after Jesus. Jesus suffered a lot. Like I can get through this. I can walk (laughs) through this too. And just trying to remember that through the hard times too, I think was very vital. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, okay. So you mentioned, uh, youth group that you went to after the church split, you meet who is now your fiance. Shout out Ryan. Shout out Ryan. (laughs) Uh, that relationship has some on again, off again pieces to it in high school and college. And even coming to a point of you deciding that, you know, you're going to make it work and him deciding this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so as an achiever, uh, and you can share as much detail as you want to, but as an achiever, share a little bit about that relationship and then what it meant to you to decide that this was going to work and then have it not work for that season of life. For sure. Yeah, so Ryan and I, we met in youth group and we hit it off instantly. We met on this crazy youth group trip that we went on and basically started dating really quickly after that. And Ryan was a year older than me. I mean, still is at the time currently, but (laughs) back then in school, I thinking of it in school terms, he was a senior and I was a junior and he left for college pretty quickly after that. So we were long distance pretty much from the get go. And so for a senior in high school and a freshman in college dating long distance, proved to be pretty challenging for Uh us yeah (laughs) and so especially for me I'm a very um extroverted as I've said quality time person and so I'm kind of a very am where I am type of personality and so um we dated on and off pretty much through college but started really seriously dating again my junior year and his senior year and that's as you were saying I was pretty much at the point where I was like we're gonna make this work no matter what like I'm very determined in that way and 
it was at the point where we were having some conflict. It was hard. We weren't getting to see each other quite as often. Um, so there were, we were younger at that time in college. So I will just speak for me. I was not the best at communicating my needs or communicating feelings or emotions and things like that. And so just having some conflict that obviously just can naturally come up in relationships and came to the point where Ryan told me that he think he thought we should break up for a season or just at that time. And I was angry. I was the first emotion that came up with me I was definitely so mad about it because genuinely hadn't even communicated to him that I was determined to make it work that time but in my head had internalized that and when he wasn't willing to meet me there at that season was very frustrating to me and I was very mad and like swore off guys for a while and <laughs> told all my friends I would never ever date Ryan ever again in my life which is very ironic now just because <laughs> we're engaged um but that was definitely challenging and kind of rocked my identity a little bit in that yeah. just being that I was so sure that I was going to be able to make it work and it was going to happen but God has definitely opened my eyes upon reflection now about how I was trying to act outside of his will and that timing you know just trying to move all the parts and pieces I felt like it was so perfect and I thought we would work so well together you know and I had just come up with all of these ideas in my head in order to make our relationship work because there were lots of good parts to it but it just wasn't the right timing and now I'm able to see that and so I think for me it just God has really through time and healing and surrendering of that hurt to him um, has really transformed my heart in that way of just understanding that when I'm trying to make things work that are not in God's timing, it's not going to be a good or a healthy thing. And just being able to identify and recognize that and trust him with his timing of things, which God has definitely redeemed that in my life, just being that Ryan and I were able to come back together after I moved back to Kansas City about a year ago and um, start dating again. And now we're engaged, which is really exciting. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, great. And so, yeah, so there's definitely like this trend of a redeeming of maybe the position of like where you stand, where God stands in a sense of like, yes, Megan is very talented, high achieving, all these things. But at the end of the day, like God is still in control and, you know, there's a plan for your life and there's a, I, I guess, do you think, so uh, <laughs> at any point in the on again, off again with Ryan, were you praying about like, if this was the right relationship for you to be in at this time? Oh, every day. I have journals okay. full of entries like that. Nice. <laughs> nice. And you yeah. recall like, yeah. what, what do you feel like God was telling you at that time? Yeah. I think that for me, a lot of my life has been so desperately wanting to follow God and what he has for me and wanting to hear an audible voice so I can just do that, you know, which is not how God's, God's never communicated to me through an audible voice. But I think that I've just so desperately been like, God, is this right? Is this what you want from me? Is this the right timing? Where do you want me to be? Whether that is dating Ryan and if it was the right relationship when it was me graduating college and trying to decide if I should move to Kansas City or move to Wichita, which is what I ended up doing. If it were even over a year ago when I was deciding to move back to Kansas City, should I move back to Kansas City or should I stay in Wichita? You know, there's just so much of that of just desperately wanting to follow God and exactly where he has me, but not wanting to make a wrong decision because I want to achieve well. That's, it even comes out in that way of not wanting to make a bad decision or a wrong decision or act outside of God's will and just wanting to always do the right thing perfectly. Perfectly, mm -hmm. It's definitely something that I have to grapple with and understanding that God doesn't always speak to us in the ways that I would prefer him to sometimes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I think it, it, he does in ways that helps grow and shape me and 
into trusting him more through those seasons where I don't necessarily have a specific answer that I am asking him for. Yeah. So how do you rationalize that? Just curious. As a very like logical person, uh, you all, you mentioned it not being a high, like a highly emotional person. How do you rationalize the fact that it seems like, from your perspective at least, it would be a lot easier to follow God if He just told you what to do, because then you could just do it, because you're capable and you'll do it. Like that's that's your mindset for most things. It's like you know, just so just tell me what to do, God, like and I'll do it. But that's not how it always works. So I, I guess how do you how do you grapple with that? Yeah, I think that just. Um like I was saying earlier a little bit, looking back on his faithfulness, whether it's in my life or in stories I've read in the Bible or in other people's stories in my life of how God is faithful and just seeing how his, him, the ways that he works and the ways that he moves in my life is far better than I could ever plan for myself. You know, I think back to when Ryan and I were dating college and I was just so determined to make it work. And just seeing our lives now as we're 26 and 27 more mature adults you know and able to communicate better and kind of dealt with some hurts in our past and things like that how we have a very rich and full relationship now and um i have lots of trust in that you know like just so where we're at now i think that we potentially could have made it work you know if we tried to push through you know back in college for the past six years but i think we would have a very hard relationship and would be in lots of counseling and things like that. And I'm just thankful just being able to see, so I can point back to that of, okay, I thought that that was right a hundred percent. And in the timing of that, you know, versus now that I see how God's worked in our lives to bring us back together now in this season and just seeing how it's so much sweeter and so much better than I would have planned for myself. Um, so just being able to look back at some of those things and understand like, okay, I, as a a deeply logical person, it's easy to think that I have all the information and I can figure out what's best and I can make it work, but I have these tangible things in my life that um, I understand that God knows more than I do, has more information, has a better plan, and is so much more informed in everything. So just choosing, I have to, it's an active step to choose to trust in that rather than try to logically make it all work for myself, you know, just having to surrender that, keep my hands open, which is very hard. It's easy for me on the things that I love and the people that I love and the things I care about. I want to control them Mm -hmm. because I want to protect them and be loyal to those people or loyal to those things. But understanding that God loves those things and those people way more than I ever could and choosing Mm -hmm. to trust in that and having to surrender to him and allowing him to work in those ways in my life. Yeah, that's so good. I, I was hoping that you kind of, you got there without me. I was going to, I was going to get to the trust piece, but you got there without me even saying anything, which is great. Um, but just like even the trust of regardless of how this goes, God, you're still in control. You know, like even if I don't know the right answer, which would be great if I did, cause then I just do it. Um, but you know the right answer and maybe there's a there's even an intentionality from god's side of not giving you the step so that it's not you doing it you know it's like just the way this plays out just trusting that god is ultimately has my best interest in mind that he loves me and likes me and wants good things for me and and part of the things that he wants for me is to and i'm I'm projecting here. So, you know, correct me if you think there's anything wrong with this, but, um, but even in a sense like him, um, wanting what may be best for you being, 
that you don't get the credit or that you don't, you know, it's not up to Megan to achieve this or to make this work, but that uh, maybe it's going to crash and burn. Maybe it's going to come back together. Maybe it's going to work out. Maybe it's not, but ultimately like your life is dedicated to the Lord and, and you trust that wherever it goes is the place that God wants it to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, awesome. I completely agree. Okay, perfect. So let's get to one more piece here as I think that we've, um, we've, we've made some, you've made some great points. We've, we've gotten some good content here, but uh, I also want to just touch on your move to Wichita. So graduate college, uh, I believe, talk, tell me about the 40 year plan. Actually, let's, <laughs> let's get to that. <laughs> Cause when you first told me that, and when we were talking earlier, I was like, Whoa, that is, yes. that's intense. It's a little scary. Yeah. For people that, that yeah, I can see I'd be intimidating to other people, but I've always <laughs> As someone who barely gets plans the next 40 minutes yes. of their life. Yeah. I, the next 40 years is a, it's a little uh, bit daunting to me. Yeah. Anybody who's been a small group with me the past five years has heard about the 40 year plan. So they would definitely laugh at um, me talking about it, but Yes, I've always, so going back, I guess, all the way to when I was graduating college, I or graduating high school even, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life, like most kids do when they're at that point, you know, if you want to just go straight to work, if you want to go to college, what do you want to study, all of those questions that 18-year-olds are trying to figure out without, I don't know, I think that's a ridiculous age for people to try to decide <laughs> what they want to do with the rest of their life, but Agreed. Yeah. Um, I was debating either going to cosmetology school or going to K-State to study civil engineering in the College of Engineering, which is completely opposite ends of the spectrum, I feel like, which which kind of describes some personality in a weird way, but um, I was going back and forth trying to decide what to do. And so this is when the 40 year plan emerged in my life. And so I had decided that I wanted to go to K-State, study engineering, and then work for five to 10 years after, hopefully get married in those five to 10 years. And then um, once I hit that 10 year mark, I thought that's probably a good time to have kids. I'll start having kids. We'll stop doing engineering forever. Stay at home with my kids for a while when they're young. And then once they get into school age, go to cosmetology school later in my life, tying that back in and then just do that until I don't want to do that anymore, basically <laughs> till the end of the 40 year gap. And so I kind of developed this plan in my mind and was like, this is what's going to happen. It's going to, I'm going to move back to Kansas city after I graduate from K-State and keep it rolling from there. And so, um, I was finishing up my school at the college of engineering at K-State was looking for jobs and I actually was going on a trip, um, with my campus ministry at K-State. And so I was going to be gone until August. I was going to be gone the whole summer, um, serving overseas. And so when I was applying for jobs, most of them had to tell, uh, Oh, I can't start till August cause I'm going to be gone all summer, blah, blah, blah. Um, going through all of the steps that everyone has to go through applying for jobs, which can be pretty painful. And so I'd been doing that for several months and was had lots of interviews, had people that were interested but weren't wanting to extend an offer. Um, mostly people were questioning like, oh, we wish you could start in June or was getting people that were interested but weren't sure if they had availability at their company at the time. You know, all kinds of different reasons were coming up. But in the spring, I got contacted by a company that was based out of Wichita. They said they found my resume on the website for K-State, you know, all the all the different career fair things that people go through when they're um, a senior in college. And they contacted me, so I went and interviewed with them. They offered me a job 
pretty much a week after that and told me I could start whenever I wanted. And so that for me seemed pretty clear that God was leading me in that direction since I wasn't finding anything at K-State. And so um, just decided to go for it, try something new, move to K-State or move from K-State straight to Wichita and get out of my comfort zone in that way. I knew one person that was going to be living in Wichita and it was a guy friend from college. So I wasn't hanging out with him like all the time necessarily. <laughs> it wasn't like a deep friend that I knew I'd hang out with constantly and decided to go that way. And so that was definitely a mix up from the plan that I had envisioned in my mind, sure. but it was having to d- divert and diverge a little bit in that way. Yeah. And so um, then what's living in uh, Wichita like? Yeah, it was pretty interesting at first. I always say to people now, I liked it more than anticipated. I had never really been to Wichita. Um, grew up in Kansas City area. And so I think that I had went to Wichita one time for one of my sister's basketball tournaments, but knew nothing about it. And it was pretty challenging when I first moved there. I was starting a, my first full-time job, just graduated from college, um, was dating a guy at the time that didn't live in the same city that I was in, you know, um, didn't know very many people. And so most of my friends did move back to Kansas City from K-State and I did not. And or my friends that went to different schools were all kind of migrating back to the Kansas City area. And I felt like one of the only ones that was not there. So when I was first there, a lot of my weekends, I would work all week. And then a lot of my weekends, I would go somewhere else. I would go visit a friend. I would go visit other people. I'd go visit family and do other things rather than really being rooted in Wichita. So it felt like it took me almost a full year to really feel like I had friendships and community there. I remember that entire year, I was just praying for one deep heart friend that like knew me and I could connect with and that I'd be able to like share my life with. And it really felt like it took a full year before that actually happened. Yeah. So, uh, you're living there, but you're going everywhere on the weekends. Uh, I can relate to this with my first year of college. Like that's kind of, I was going back home every weekend, whatever. And like, you just don't, you're living somewhere, but you're not living there. You're, you're not experiencing it. You're not actually invested in the place. And so, uh, do you think there's a part of you that was like, I'm going to try to make this still fit into the 40, the 40 year plan. Like I, I, my heart's still in Kansas city, even though my, my body's in Wichita most of the week. A hundred percent. I literally said to everyone that I knew, I'm going to live in Wichita for two years and I'm going to move back to Kansas city. It was a, literally what I would say. I'd be like, I'll get my two years of experience there. And my company actually had a smaller office in Kansas city. And so I was like, I'm going to see if they'll let me transfer. And if they won't, I'll just apply for different jobs. And that was, that was definitely my game plan. Um, but I actually ended up living there for about four years instead of two. And so after a year of living in Wichita and not really living there, just as you were saying, I decided to really try to be rooted there. So it was actually, I was really into true crime true crime podcast at the time. And I remember listening to one and I just thought if something happened to me, like in the evenings, like nobody would know until I didn't get to work the next day because just oh, like, wow. I don't know anyone here, you know, like nobody's yeah. like checking on me. No one's calling me to see if I want to do something like sure. nobody knows anything like that. I'm even here. It felt like nobody even sees that I'm even like living here or have a presence here. And so I had that realization, which is a little morbid, but <laughs> I um, had that thought of, okay, I need to actually try to be rooted here where I I'm at. Like, I don't want to go a full another year of not having friends, not having community, not having friendships. So I'd gotten plugged into a church, but I was gone every weekend. So I wasn't really going to that church, you know? And so I decided to really commit to trying to be more plugged in, being there on Sunday mornings, 
got plugged into a small group and I had a few months before that, but really was trying to be invested in that, build friendships, try to build friendships outside of just seeing them for an hour on a Wednesday night or whatever that looks like. And once I finally made that decision and that commitment, I saw how God really opened doors for me for community and friendship in that way. I am really passionate about helping with middle school and high school girls. And so I loved helping with youth group, you know, when I was in college, you know, or in just different ministries like that. So actually their youth group leader at the church that I was going to, she called me and said, oh, I heard you might be interested in this. Are you available to meet? So I met up with her and said that there was availability for a new women's youth group leader. So I was able to get plugged in with that immediately and um, then found some really great community with some of the other youth group leaders there. And I think that for me, even as an extroverted person, it really took me pushing myself to get out of my shell. Like I remember before I'd walk into church on Sunday, I'd give myself a pep talk like, don't run straight to the bathroom when you get there. Like you can stand in the lobby, even if you don't see someone, you know, immediately, like you can do this, you know, and having to really um, build the courage to put myself out there and try to make friendships and ask people that I barely knew, Hey, you want to go get dinner with me? You know, and just really trying to put myself out there and trying to be intentional in that way of building friendships and community. And God was faithful to meet me in that place when I was putting in the effort in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's just like, I might know, I know as we've been talking, we've been kind of hinting at this idea of God redeeming, you know, this, this plan that you've had or your achievement or whatever it may be like, and just seeing his faithfulness and trusting him and all of that. But just, you know, God knew the whole time this is going to be a challenge for her, but I'm going to grow her in so many ways. She's going to have impact in the place that she's at. She's going to have connections and community and all of these things. Like he knows that plan going in. And so just, I mean, <laughs> we're here. We think we've got it figured out. We think that this is a bad idea, but he just knows so much better. Oh, absolutely. I cannot imagine not having some of those friendships and some of those people, knowing some of those people I've met in Wichita. And so it's really impactful for me to see that and see how God used that time in my life in such a beautiful way and such a meaningful way and how so often we could miss what God has for us if we're just so laser focused on what we're trying to do, what we think is best for ourselves rather than just allowing him to open up different opportunities and open up different chances for connection and community in that way. Yeah, exactly. And he was faithful to bring you back to Kansas City anyway yes. <laughs> at the end of those four years. And you're now engaged to the guy that you had decided so long ago yeah. that you were going to make it work with. And so, you know, at this point, there is a, a happy point of the 40-year plan, and we're mm, right on track. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see if it stays that way for more than a year for now. But <laughs> There you go. Well, hey, that's probably a pretty good perspective to, yeah. to go to, you know, a year mm. at a time as opposed to, like, for already sure. assuming that the 40 years is going to go exactly <laughs> yes. the way you planned it. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, I think it's good. It's it's fun to see how God's been able to, um, yeah, just change the trajectory of my life in really cool ways and having to remember that even though I'm such a planner in that way, just trying to slow down, trust him in that way and have the patience to allow him to move when it's the right timing rather than when I think it's the right timing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's do this. Just as a conclusion, as we wrap up here, um, because this is a story of redemption and like your story is powerful, regardless of if it's, you know, you don't have to be a, a drug addict or uh, hooked on alcohol or have all this sexual sin or like whatever, you know, those, I say all those things is like, those are the big ones, you know, yeah. like what we, uh, <laughs> and, and not that they have any more weight in like 
the spiritual realm as any of the other sins that we struggle with. Uh, but we as a church just kind of through history have kind of put them that way. So I think just in our minds subconsciously, we, we make them a bigger deal than what they really are. Um, but your story just, it does have power. And so what's the message, I guess, of redemption? Um, if you could just put a conclusion on it or put a bow on what God has taught you along the way, how he's revealing himself to you, uh, how would you just describe that or put a, yeah, put a cap on this conversation? Yeah, I think that for me in my life, um, having the confidence in who God has made me to be and my new identity found in him as a follower of Christ and being able to walk freely in that and also allowing God to use that identity in my that he's able to really change and shape my heart as I continue to pursue and follow Jesus is the most beautiful thing and the mo- about redemption and about following Jesus. And so for me, I think it just reminding myself that it just, as you were saying, it's not necessarily this one like big event or a big thing that happens in your life that is true, how God is truly redeeming you. It's just the ways that he's continually faithful to me as I continually walk closely with him, whether that's me, identifying the pride that's in my life and trying to surrender that to him every day, which is an everyday process in my life, or it's just different struggles or sin tendencies that I have, you know, whether it's I'm being short with somebody that I love, like a friend or a family member, you know, in my life and trying to repent of that and look more like Jesus in that way, you know, and um, finding ways to be more empathetic towards them and looking at the character of Jesus and trying to apply that to my everyday life. I think that that's truly the beauty of how God redeems us as we walk closely with Jesus. I love that. All right. Thanks so much for that. And thank you for coming on. It of was a great interview. <laughs> you Hope I awesome. did well. Just kidding. <laughs> you did awesome. You did awesome. Uh, yeah. uh, and thank you for listening to this episode. We'll be back next Thursday with another edition of our redemption series and look forward to sharing that with you all. Thank you so much. We love you. And we'll see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.